0: Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We are excited that you came across this message. The sermon that you are about to listen to is from our series, Back to School. If you're joining us for the first time, I wanna be the first to say welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread Hope Church to the world. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the sermon. Amen, amen. What's up, Hope Church? For some of you that may not recognize me, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. Some people are like, What's going on with your hair, bro? Let me explain. My wife and I just got back from an epic, adventurous vacation with my family. We got in a minivan and we drove all the way across the country with four little kids to the state of Maine, amen? So if you did that, you would also probably come back with no hair, all right? That's kind of how it worked. Excited to be back, I'm excited to jump into this series. Really, by the way, I've heard seven or eight times now whether I have been trying my hardest to impersonate Pastor Travis, and of course the answer is yes. That is exactly why I cut my hair. It's everything I wanted in life, it's to be like my boss, all right? Excited to jump into this series. Back into this series, Pastor Edward last week jumped into this series, back to school, four life lessons everyone needs to learn. The day before, for most of you students and kids, school started. So whether you're online today or you're in the room, you've now gotten a week under your belt. There's only a few dozen more. Congratulations. But I remember the first week of school for me was always the best, right? I think Pastor Edward mentioned it last week. But... Uh, you get to show off all your new clothes and you don't really do anything in the classes. You don't really have homework yet, at least back in the day when I went to school. Basically, it was just the teachers letting you know, here's what this year is going to look like. They give you the syllabus. You get to see all your old friends. You get to wear all your new clothes. It's really week two where it starts to get real, and and, and that's happening for you guys next week. But I'm sorry for that, but we're going to jump into the series I'm really excited about. And I'm excited because I get to show some pictures of myself back in the day when I went back to school. The first one I'm going to show you is actually not a picture of my son Blaine, even though it looks like a picture of my son Blaine. If we can get it on there, there it is right there. If you know my son Blaine, he's seven years old, that looks exactly like him, but that's me rocking third grade right there with the slick back helmet head. It's back when I still had hair and the stripe thing looking all 90s. I love it. That's me going back to school in uh in the 90s and then the next one is actually me and my sister i've told you guys a lot that i'm i was a pretty small guy my sister's only two years older than me um and i'm 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 almost 14 years old in this picture ladies and gentlemen um and and if some of you who may be a fan back in the day i'm wearing a stone cold steve austin shirt I don't know if you know how to represent that. You say, why are you wearing a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt? Because Stone Cold said so, right? Some of you guys will get that reference. Some of you won't. Shout out to WWE. I love this. I think this is eighth grade. I'm going into eighth grade right there, not fourth grade. I'm going into eighth grade. And then the last one is my favorite. That right there is me in my 12th grade year of high school, ladies and gentlemen. I know it looks like I stuck my finger in a light socket, but that was just the punk rock way to do it. Uh, I wish somebody would have told me not to wear that black shirt under the white shirt, but it was 2004, and I didn't have friends that loved me enough, I guess. <laughs> Back to school. I love this concept. We are in this series looking at four life lessons. I love what we're doing here, and we're looking specifically at some things, some lessons that we learned straight from the mouth of Jesus, these are things that last week we unpacked that Jesus taught in a form of story that we are looking at for four weeks to really learn some profound things. Those, those stories are called parables. By the way, these aren't for self-help philosophies. These aren't for do-it-yourself pro tips. These are four lessons straight from the mouth of God in the flesh himself, Jesus. And he taught us through parables. Parables are some of my favorite Passages in the scriptures. Pastor Edward did a great job last week of explaining what a parable is. So we are going to review last week what is a parable. A parable is simply a simple fictional story used to teach a significant spiritual lesson. Jesus. If you read the New Testament, specifically the first four books of the New Testament, Jesus' life, he would be on the earth. He would just be walking with his disciples. He would be talking with his people. He'd be hanging out at somebody's house. He'd be in the farm somewhere. He would just be living his normal life, and he would just go into a fictional story, a made-up story, but then he would use that very real story that would be very tangible for them, and he would teach them something very profound, for their lives, So we are going to look at another parable today, probably one like the prodigal son last week that you may have heard in your life. But we're going to look at Luke chapter 6. We're going to look at a few verses starting in verse 46. It will be on the screen if you don't have a copy of the scriptures. Here's what Luke chapter 6 verse 46 says. This is Jesus talking. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? you stop right there and talk about that for a minute. That's a strong statement. Verse 47, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Verse 49, but the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground or the sand without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great." We're going to look at those four verses today. We're going to unpack a lesson. But before we do that, we have to understand the context. We say here all the time at Hope, we do not just flip through the Bible and put our finger down and just run with whatever it says. Sometimes that can be pretty dangerous. Context matters. As a student of the Bible, anytime you're reading a passage of Scripture, you got to understand what's going on around this passage of Scripture. So what is the context of these verses? If you didn't know, these verses are the, are the way that Jesus ends what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Some of you have heard that if you're you're a student of the Bible. The Sermon on the Mount, the greatest story ever preached. Basically in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 and Luke chapter 5 and 6, Jesus goes on this mountaintop. He's been healing people, he's been preaching, and so he's kind of gaining a following. You could kind of say Jesus was viral. His message was kind of, people were whispering. Have you heard about this Jesus guy? He's healing people, he's doing some crazy things, and he's about to have an event on a mountaintop. And so the Bible says there are thousands of people that are following Jesus onto this mountaintop. And there's all these people, and I'm imagining these Galilean guys grabbing their lawn chair, and they're going and checking out what Jesus is saying. It says the Bible says they're not all his followers yet, but they're all leaning in. They're all listening a little bit like, what's this Jesus, this fisherman from Galilee, this carpenter from Galilee, rather, what's he going to teach us? And so Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Luke chapter 5 and 6, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is preaching and really telling people, telling us how to live as a kingdom citizen. He's saying, hey, here's what following me, here's what being a God follower looks like. I'm gonna give you principles of the kingdom. How does he land the plane? How does he bring it home with this passage of scripture? And by the way, I love that this parable is so easy to understand, right? It's not, it's, it's, it's not one of these, there's some parables where, where like the disciples are looking at each other and Jesus says the parable and they're kind of just nodding and smiling, but the Bible literally says they did not get it. So later it says, hey, Jesus, uh, what were you saying when you were with all those people? Because we didn't understand. This is not one of those hard to understand parables. Jesus steps on this mountaintop and he basically says, very simple, if you hear the things that I'm saying and you obey them, you're like a guy who builds his house on a solid foundation. But if you hear the things that I'm saying to you, all these things I've just said to you in the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached. If you hear all these things and you just nod politely, but you really have no intention of following them in action, you are like the man who built his house on sand. And as soon as the storm that will inevitably come hits your life, it will crumble. And then he walks away. Like you talk about the biggest mic drop moment ever. There's no response song. Teddy doesn't come out and lead us, right? There's no altar call. Jesus has this amazing sermon. And he says, by the way, if you listen to everything I just said, you're going to build a solid foundation. If you ignore everything I just said and go on with your day, when the storms come, your house will fall. Bye. (laughs) He walks away. Next chapter starts and he's in a completely different area. I love how simple this passage of scripture is. Saw a story this week as our teaching team met and kind of helped me prepare this. There's a story a few years ago of a, a, a hurricane that hit Mexico City, Florida. Until this week, I didn't know Mexico City of Florida existed. But a few years ago, as soon you remember, obviously in hurricane season, we're always hearing about different hurricanes on that part, in that part of the country. But Hurricane Michael just really devastated Florida. And in Mexico City, Florida, Florida, there is a house, there's a neighborhood that was completely decimated. I want to show you a picture because there's one house in the entire, this is a real picture from CNN.com, one house that stood still. Barely looked like it got touched. I mean, literally, look at the next door neighbors. Everything is just completely decimated. So CNN was obviously curious. They probably don't know Luke chapter 6. They went to them and they said, they went to the owners and they said, how Did you build a house that could withstand such a storm? And it's almost like these guys just read Luke chapter 6. They said, man, we took painstaking detail. You can go online and Google this. You can re- watch the video like I did this week. These owners are saying, we took painstaking detail. We went above and beyond what code said because we knew we are in a stormy area and we knew we wanted to build. So there's concrete all over the house. This house is not built with the normal roofing. They did different roof. They did everything that took really long time and probably cost them a lot of money because they knew we want to have a solid foundation When the storms come. And this picture shows a beautiful representation of what Jesus is saying here in Luke chapter 6. The storm will come. One approach is quick and easy. Just start building there on the sand. One approach is slow and hard and expensive and takes sacrifice. Many people... And that picture built in the same location, but only one that was built on a foundation of solid rock stood the test of time. That's what Jesus is doing. He is very clearly contrasting two very different approaches to life. Here's why I want us to lean in today. Whether you're watching online or you're in the room, I want us to lean in today because if you're like me, this is still a reality for us. What Jesus says in his word is one of a million different approaches that you and I can take to build our lives on. Every single day in our regular lives, in our work lives, in our family lives, we have option after option after a thousand and one options of ways that we can base our life or build our lives. And so I want us to lean in today because just because I began on the foundation of Jesus, if I'm not careful, I can drift away and start making all these types of other arrangements on the sand. So that's our lesson. I want to start with our lesson today. And then I want to kind of p- pick apart our lesson piece by piece. So here's the lesson. We learned lesson one last week. Lesson two for this series is this. Everyone is building their life on something. When the storms of life come, the only secure and stable foundation is God's word. Now listen, <laughs> I understand nobody's tweeting that like, I never heard that before. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. It's simple, but it's not necessarily easy. Right. Everyone is building their life on something. We're going to talk about We're going to take these piece by piece. And when the storms of life come, the only secure, and stable foundation is God's word. I said earlier that my wife and kids and I went on a, a trip. We went all the way to the state of Maine. And I've never been to the northeast, northeast beach but we had a blast at the beach there in Maine and, and it was a good time. And I love the beach, and maybe you love the beach, but I gotta be honest, one thing I hate about the beach, and it kinda my friends kind of look at me weird because I, I like the beach, but I don't like this aspect of the beach, but there's a lot of this at the beach is the sand. Like, especially with little kids, it's like it just gets everywhere. You try to keep it clean, it just gets I hate. The sand, but I still take my family to the beach. I still enjoy the beach, but sand just gets everywhere. If you've been to the beach, you understand you thought you had it all off your shoes. You thought you had it off your, off your swimsuit. You thought you had it off the kids' feet. You get in the van, and it's just everywhere, right? Sand is inevitably everywhere. But one of the, the time-tested traditions or things or activities to do at the beach is building sandcastles. Again, I don't really super enjoy doing that because you get all kinds of in the sand. But you see people, I mean, it's, you got kids building sandcastles, families building sandcastles. Sandcastles are all over the beach. And, and honestly, I've seen some really cool sandcastles. We were in Maine and there were some people building like some intricate, beautiful designed sandcastles. My wife and I several years ago were in Florida for our anniversary. And we were actually at this beach where they have sandcastle competitions. So we walked past these humongous sandcastles that look like they were made out of plastic. They were so intricate and so detailed. And they're great. But at the end of the day, they're sand. Like, I feel bad for the guy that, that builds that. And then, and then it's a rainy night that night, right? I mean, this guy is absolutely spending, we, we, we asked him out, it's like spending tons of time building the sandcastle. But we know it, it's sand at the end of the day. So it takes one high tide. It takes one stormy night. Honestly, it takes one family throwing a football and missing a catch, and that football hits the sandcastle, and your work of the day is destroyed. We understand this in real life, and that's, that's a picture that kind of came to my mind as I was preparing for this message, this idea of sandcastles. Sometimes we can spend so much time building up these sandcastles, and I'm going to kind of use that illustration throughout our time together today. Jesus is saying here, you are either building your life on solid rock, or you're out here building sandcastles. Those are the two options that Jesus lays out for us. So I want to break this lesson down in three parts before we finish our time together today. Here's the first part. Everyone is building their life on something. I know that sounds elementary, but we got to go, start there today. Everyone is building their life on something. And I know there are people here, I just heard from Pastor Travis, the amount of guests we've had at Hope Church over the last several weeks. It's amazing. We got people joining us that have never joined us before. So I understand whether you're online or you're in the room, like we have people that may not be fully on board with this Jesus stuff. But this statement here, I think every person in the room or logging on today can get around. Everyone is building their life on something. There's a set of values or a set of of, 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 of something in your heart that you're building your life on. We are all builders. It's not if you're building, it's how you're building. Again, that's not a spiritual concept. That's just we all have a vision for our lives. We all are leading our families in certain ways. Everyone is building their life on something. So so what does that mean? I think it means a couple things. Here's the first one. We all make life decisions based on how we see the world. Again, this isn't, if you're here today and you're just kind of curious about church, curious about Jesus, I think you can agree with this. We all make life decisions based on how we see the world. Some people call it a, a philosophy of life. Some people call it a worldview. I have certain perspectives, circumstances that happen in my life, ways that I've formed opinions over the course of my life. And because of that, I'm making my life decisions based on those things. So some people, they base it here on Thursday night. Here you are at church Maybe for you, your your value that you base your life on is a relationship with God. Praise God. There's some other things around, but like your solid foundation is Jesus. For others, maybe for you, it's being successful and making a good living for your family to pass on to generation to generation. For others, it's relationships or physical health or education or knowledge or family or serving others. You have a value system that drives the decisions that you, make. you say, well, how do you know somebody's worldview? That's the good part about worldview. All you have to do is hang out with somebody to learn their worldview. Right? Like if I go out to coffee with you, we spend 45 minutes, and I love doing this. I love meeting new people. And you spend 45 minutes just hanging out with me. I'm going to leave that coffee meeting knowing a little bit about how you see the world. And you're going to leave that coffee meeting knowing a little bit how I see the world. Right, because it just naturally comes out. You talk for 45 minutes, you'd have to work really hard to put up a front for 45 minutes to not really show your true colors of who you are and what you believe. Because it's just going to naturally come out of you. I, I love this joke because I'm a part of one of these uh, activities. But you may have heard a joke uh, that I love. It's, it's, it's this. If a CrossFitter and a vegan and an atheist walk into a bar, how do you know? And the answer is they'll tell you within the first five minutes you're like, I get that, right? Like, I'm not a part of the atheist group. I'm not a part of the vegan group, but I'm a part of that CrossFitting group. And we got a bad reputation. We're like, if you, know, if, you, if you know a CrossFitter, you know it because they'll talk about CrossFit all the time, right? What is that? That is the CrossFitter worldview coming out. But before you judge us too quickly, that's how we all are. I'm not talking about my favorite sports team. I'm gonna talk about my family. I'm gonna talk about my faith in Jesus. I'm gonna talk about the things that I am using to make life decisions. couple other things it means you and I build our lives on what we value that's what we've been talking about we have a phrase here at Hope that I love it's so clarifying values drive our decisions and decisions shape our lives what you value drives the decisions you make and the decisions you make are going to shape the way you live So we gotta take some inventory. We all build our lives on something. I want this to be very introspective. It's very easy to hear a very simple parable like this and just sermonize it and not really get down to the heart level and think, what does this mean for my life? If you were to ask yourself, honestly, what are you building your life on? I'm not gonna ask for a raise of hands. You're not gonna talk to your spouse about it later unless you want to. What is it that you are building your life on? What would you say, man, this is the most important thing in my life? That is what you're building your life on. That's a foundational thing we have to start with today. As we look at a, a, a passage of scripture about building our lives, we have to start with the foundational principle. Everyone is building their life on something. Some that's that success, relationships, following Jesus, physical health, whatever it might be, we're building our lives on something. Here's the second part of the lesson. In this life, storms will come. Again, simple. Some right now are hearing that and you're saying, yep, I'm in one right now. In this life, storms will come. Verse 48 says, and when the flood arose. Other versions say, and when the storm comes. Notice Jesus didn't say if the flood comes. He's not talking about insurance. He's talking about reality. This is going to happen. It's not if the storms come. It's not maybe the storms will come. When the storms that will inevitably come, come. And if we've learned anything in the last 18 months as a society, we cannot expect things to go the way we thought they were going to go. Times are gonna get hard. Life is gonna hurt sometimes. We are gonna deal with things that we never thought in our lifetime we'd have to deal with. We're gonna get blindsided by things that we had no idea were coming. I mean, I thought about it this week. If you think about it, you could get a call on yourself, and I pray, and I've actually prayed that this would not happen in any of our services but you could get a call right now. I could go back to the the back and I could grab my phone and I could have a text message or a call that in one second could flip my world completely upside down. Right now you went to church with your family and God forbid you get a phone call that could completely flip your world upside down. One phone call, one second, one conversation. Storms. Will come regardless of the foundation. I love that. Jesus says to the people who are building their life on rock and people who are building their life on sand, storms are coming regardless of the foundation. That's why at Hope Church we sometimes flex a little bit on this so-called idea of prosperity gospel. What's that? Maybe you know, maybe you don't. The prosperity gospel is kind of this this philosophy or this idea, this this version of Christianity that basically preaches, if you do all the right stuff, you'll never have hardship in this life. If you give enough, if you pray enough, if you put on the face enough at church and smile enough and play a good churchgoer, you won't have any trouble. And honestly, it's a, a pretty good business model. Because they sell out conferences, their books hit the New York Times bestseller list, they're all over TV. Problem is, this pesky thing here called the Bible. (laughs) You can read this thing back to front. You see people who are faithful in their relationship with God and their lives are a living hell. You can see people that are faithfully following Jesus and out of nowhere they get that call. They didn't have iPhones back then, but they get that call that flips their world upside down. We could spend some time reading verse after verse after verse of that not being true. The reality that storms will come is a truth from God's word. But I, I chose one for the sake of time that I think does a really good job. Right again from the mouth of Jesus in John chapter 16, verse 33. Here's what it says I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Here it is. In this world, you might have tribulation, in this world, you will. I don't know about you, but I take Jesus at his word, and I've experienced it, and you probably have too. In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. There are people right now, maybe you, who are walking through a storm. You may have heard it said. You are either going into a storm, you are coming out of a storm, or you are currently in a storm. The storms of life are inevitable. They vary in degree. They vary in Length, but no matter what you build your life on, a storm is sure to test the stability of the structure. Everyone's building their life on something. In this life, we will have storms. Here's the last one. The only secure and stable foundation for life is God's word. Back to Luke 6. Again, this is not a hard parable to understand. A house that's built on a solid foundation is strong and resilient. A house built on sand is weak and dangerous. When the storms come, the strong house will stand, the weak house will fall. It's easy to read that, but what is the solid rock? You can say Jesus. That's a great church answer. Just say Jesus, you'll probably get it right 90% of the time. But what is this passage saying specifically is the solid rock? Well, Jesus tells us in verse 47, look at it on the screen. Everyone who comes to me, Hears my words and does them. And then he jumps into the story of the foundations. Again, notice he doesn't say everyone who hears and knows all the answers in small group. Everyone who hears and makes a sweet post on Instagram after the sermon. Everyone who hears and, and claps the loudest during that really hype part of the sermon. Everyone who hears comes to me and hears my words and does them. Plain and simple, church, this parable is about obedience to God's word. I would submit to you today that obedience to God's word is the best way to live. That's another way to say that. Obedience to God's word. All over the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is unpacking kingdom living, sharing about God's best for us, all of that. And then he says this, You want to withstand the storms of life? Do what I just said. A few weeks ago, we finished studying the book of James. I absolutely love that book of the Bible. I loved our study verse by verse through it. If you remember back in chapter 2, we read a very famous passage of Scripture that is right in line with what we're talking about today. James chapter 2, I picked a few verses out to not read the whole passage. Here's what it says. What good is it, my brothers, if someone has faith but does not have works? What is he saying? If someone professes to believe in Jesus, but he doesn't obey God and show it. Can that faith save him? But someone will say, I have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. What is he saying? You can't say you love Jesus and not obey him and say you're saved. Not a lot of claps on that one. I feel you. He's saying, I'll show you I love Jesus because I, I obey what he says. I don't obey what he says to get love from him. We're going to talk about that later. It's not, it's not a, oh, God, I got to obey God, to so show him I love him or earn his love. No, right. I know he loves me, so I obey him. Yeah. For as the body apart from spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. The Bible is clear. Jesus is clear. If you hear my words and obey them, if you submit to my will and my way, you are building your life On solid rock. If you don't submit to me, if you just nod and play the church game and do what some of the people did on the Sermon on the Mount that day, you're building sandcastles. Sandcastles can't survive storms. I'm not talking, I'm talking about real life and I'm talking about the illustration. Sandcastles can't survive storms. Sandcastles can't satisfy your deepest need. Sandcastles can't save you. That's what. That's the options that Jesus gives us in this parable. It's, it's rock or it's land. It's, it's concrete or it's sand. It's solid rock or it's sandcastles. Obedience to God's word is the solid rock. Everything else is a sandcastle. So, man, I, I don't really love sermons on obedience and submission to God's word. Let's be honest. Those aren't like the top topics on Spotify podcasts for sermons. Right? I want the sermons going to make me feel good, walk into Monday just feeling all hyped about my life in Christ. But here's what I'm trying to show us. That's exactly what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is trying to show us God's best for you. We look at, we look at obedience to God as this terrible, like, hardship of the Christian life. I've got to obey what he says. I love that we say this at home. When God says in his word, do something, our obedience is him saying, hey, help yourself. Do this, help yourself. When God's word says, hey, don't do this thing, that is our loving father telling us, don't hurt yourself. See, we look at obedience and submission to God's word as this, this, this hard thing, this burden. And God's saying, it's not a burden, it's a, it's a freedom. I'm showing you the best way to live. But maybe you're still not convinced. Let's talk about this idea of obedience and submission. I would propose to you today that no matter what you're basing your life on, you are already obeying and submitting to that thing. So give me an example. I, I, I'm i basing my life on being successful and providing for my family and doing whatever it takes to make my life happy materially with my family. Vacations and cars and all the things. And Listen, in and of itself, that's not bad as long as you know it's a sandcastle. But I would have submit to you that you're obeying, you may not use these terms, but you're obeying and submitting to whatever it is that will get you more of that. I'm building my life on having the perfect body. I got my Peloton, no shade to Peloton, I'm a CrossFitter, okay, it's cool. But you're on your Peloton, I've got the perfect body. I would submit to you today that you are obeying and submitting to your diet. You're obeying and submitting to your workout routine. All of a sudden, we pump the brakes, though, when we talk about obeying and submitting to the God of the universe. You are already doing it in whatever it is that you're building your life on. It's how we all live. Jesus is saying here, you're either submitting to me and building your life on something that is unfailing, or you're not submitting to me and you're building your life on things that will fail and ultimately not fulfill the deepest parts of your heart. I really dig how Warren Wiersbe put it so simply. To build on the rock means to obey what he says. To build on the sand means to profess obedience but not practice it. Wow. By the way, this is kind of a new, a new concept. This is kind of a Western church idea. And I'm guilty of it. Listen, I end up, I'm preaching to myself today. There's times when I'm like, I love Jesus. And I know what I'm supposed to do. But I'm like, Nah. But that's kind of a Western idea. This idea that we can be halfway in the church, but like halfway in the world. Like I I really love Jesus, but I also do this a little. I really love Jesus, but I'm not trying to obey him in everything. I'm not trying to be like super hardcore about it. Problem is you can't read the New Testament and see anything else but passionate followers of Jesus that submit to him as the Lord of their lives. And guess what? If you see something different than that, it's called out. It's rebuked, it's challenged. Read Paul's epistles. Read again the book of James. That's like all he's doing, just spitting fire at people being disobedient. Uh-huh. Amen. Here's an uncomfortable truth as we land the plane today. Submission to Jesus Christ is a non-negotiable for salvation. A relationship with Jesus is all or nothing. There are no part-time positions in the body of Christ. We think like, I got the jersey, I'm on the team, but I'm not really gonna play the game. Listen, that is not biblical. We've created this idea. I could be a part of this church. I could feel good on Sundays with a pep talk, but I don't really have to live what Jesus says. Jesus is saying, you obey me and submit to my word. It's God's best for you. You are building your life on something solid. You hear me and you nod and you don't do what I tell you to do and you don't joyfully submit. You're building sandcastles and as soon as the storms come, it's going to wreck you. Jesus says it pretty clearly in Matthew chapter 16. This is not a verse you find on a lot of coffee cups. You guys know I love coffee cup verses. They always make you feel good as you're drinking your cup of joe. This is not a coffee cup verse, but it's true nonetheless. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross, a tool for execution in this time when he's saying that, and follow me. Again, we got to see what he's not saying. He doesn't say, hey, if you want to be my disciple, give up the easy parts. I understand how hard it is. I mean, it's 2021. You can hold on to the hard stuff for a little bit. Give up the easy stuff. Hold on to the hard stuff and just go to church and kind of do this halfway. I know this is hard. I didn't realize it was this hard, honestly, until I started studying this passage. And I'm like, man, I thought this was going to be an uplifting message. (laughs) But you got to preach the text. I don't know about you, but I love me some free trials. Anyone love me a free trial? Like, 30-day trial. You better believe on day 29, I'm pulling my credit card. I'm the only one? Okay. Jesus doesn't say in Matthew chapter 16, give this thing a 10-day trial. Money back guarantee if you don't like it. If you want to be my follower, give up your own way. Take up your cross. Follow me. Deny yourself. Follow me. Listen, don't get it twisted. We can hear a message like this. We can can lace up our sneakers. We can clench our fists and say, man, I'm about to go obey God. I'm about to do this thing. I'm going to be the best Christian at the workplace next week. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to earn all God's love. I'm going to be Christian number one next week. Listen, we don't obey God to earn his love. That's the best part of this deal. We are already amazingly loved by God, so we joyfully obey. You and I can't gain what we already got. I'm not gaining love by obeying. I already got his love, and so I joyfully obey. So let's evaluate. Again, we can listen to that, nod. Let's talk about it. Do I submit, do you submit to Jesus and what he says? Are there areas of your life right now where you're going, man, I am totally stiff-arming the Lord in that area of my life? Is Jesus the Lord of my life? If I'm honest, am I trying to be my own boss? And men, shout out to the men, this is hard for us. I'm gonna be my own boss. I'm the leader of my family. I might be the leader in my workplace. And I'm a follower. A lot of times I like to be a, a boss in my own life. Jesus is saying, hey, deny that. I'm the boss. Submit to what I say for your life because it's better than what you would ever say for your life. That's the best part of this thing. I think I got all these plans and God's like, my plan's better and you keep pushing me away. Put it like this, what, what sandcastles right now, do you know, man, I'm building these things and they're beautiful, but I know they're just sandcastles. And listen, sandcastles aren't bad in and of themselves. If you understand, they're unstable and they're temporary. I love, I got some friends that, man, they are solidly built on the rock that is Christ. And they're out here killing it in the business game. They got amazing families and, and they're totally operating out of their relationship with Jesus. And they got a million different things. That's an amazing applause for the kingdom that that's happening. But it starts with their relationship with God. It starts on the foundation that is obeying and submitting to Christ. Problem is, when we start building all these other things and we're not submitting and obeying to Christ, now we're just out here in the sand. Lesson for today, the thing that's clearly in this passage of scripture, everyone is building their life on something. When the storms of life come, the only secure and stable foundation is God's word. We close today. I want to share a story. Very recent, a couple months ago. You probably heard about it all over the news. On on June 24th, in the early hours of the morning, I think like 3 in the morning or something, in Miami-Dade County in Florida, out of nowhere, a condo building just collapsed. Middle of the night. Maybe people were starting to wake up, but most people were sleeping. They searched and searched and searched to rescue people, but over a hundred people or close to a hundred people have been declared dead. And here's what's so crazy about that story and the, the part that made everyone go, wow, we don't know what to do with this. Everything looked normal. Like literally hours before, people laughed inside that condo. People came home from grocery shopping. People were driving past that condo, playing sports outside that condo, having no idea that it was on the verge of just completely collapsing. What was seen on the outside wasn't a reality for what was happening on the inside. The foundation, now they've done a bunch of tests. They're seeing, man, there were some serious problems with the foundation. The foundation of this building, we couldn't tell in the moment, but it was faulty. I believe there may be people here that look like you got it all together. And again, this is just between you and the Lord. But right now, things look really, really normal. Maybe even things look really, really good. But you're hearing God's word bear weight on your life today. And you're saying, man, what looks good on the outside is not true of what's going on on the inside. The foundation is faulty. I've prayed for you and I pray right now that you would joyfully submit that to the Lord. In just a moment, we're going to come. We're going to sing like we always do. Maybe this altar just needs to be a place for you to go, man, I looked the part. I'm looking real good out here as a Christian, as a Jesus follower. But I know, man, my heart is just full of sandcastles. And I need to submit to God and what he said and start afresh on a foundation that is his word. I love verse 46. He says, hey, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Again, we could have just camped on that for 40 minutes. Some of us right now are saying, Lord, Lord. And we're not doing what we know of the thing that he has called us to do as followers of Jesus. So maybe today, you're a follower of Christ. Your response is, man, I know that I have forsaken the foundation of the solid rock of obedience and submission to Jesus Christ. There's grace for you today right now and we're about to sing come to this altar come we're gonna be praying down here as pastors maybe you just need to pray with somebody maybe you just want to talk to somebody maybe you should get some people around you to help you keep your life being built on that solid rock you can't do it alone left to myself listen left to myself all of us pastors all of us staff members if I'm trying to do this thing by myself I'm gonna very quickly forsake the foundation because it's a lot easier to build sandcastles in this world in 2021 than it is to build on the rock so I need some people around me to keep going hey Scott remember the rock Remember the solid foundation. For some of you today is the first day ever that you've heard about this solid rock that is a relationship with Jesus. This is the first time you've ever heard about what what God has done for you. I wanna tell you today, you don't have to do anything today to earn God's love for you. God sent his son Jesus to die in your place on the cross for everything you've ever done. But the things that you think that you know are not of God or that you know that aren't good and healthy for you, he died on a cross to buy you back from the sin that so easily tangles us up. So maybe today, your step of obedience, your first brick on that rock is submission to Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. Saying yes to a relationship with Jesus. You don't have to do anything for that to happen. You just got to say yes to a God who's already done everything. God already took the step. All you have to do is say yes. Maybe for you, that's what you want to do. And today, again, we'd love to talk to you. Love so much to be able to talk to people about a relationship with Jesus. It's life-changing. It's the only thing that is solid in a world where there's a lot of things that aren't solid. Thank you for listening to the Hope Church LV podcast. If you haven't done so already, go rate and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Have a great rest of your day.